the life of Elisha. And we've come to the end of Elisha, and we find ourselves in 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. And our text for the next few messages, I've planned three messages on 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 to 21, as we look at this topic of the death of Elisha. I'd like to read that whole text this morning in an introduction to uh, this series. It says, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot, and he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek, till you have destroyed them. Then he said, Take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. And he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. And Elisha died and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders. And they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. And... As we begin talking about this concept, it's not an easy one to talk about as we look at death and we look at what it means to pass from this life into the next. When I started out, um, left high school and headed to to college, I uh, knew I wanted to go to a Christian college when I left high school. That was never my plan until I was a high school in college, but in a senior in high school. But then when I went to college, I knew that I wanted it to be a Christian school and I wanted to study mathematics. And I got involved in uh, something called my extension ministry, uh, something that probably Matt, you probably had an extension ministry too. We went to the same school. And when I began doing that ministry, I fell in love with serving the Lord. I had the opportunity to go every week and minister in a prison and share the gospel with prisoners. And I fell in love with that. And one day I was listening to someone talk about the word of God. And they talked about giving your heart over to the Lord and going into full-time ministry. And I said, Lord God, if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. 
And as I began to go into full-time ministry, I knew that I loved this book and I wanted to teach this book and I wanted to share this book for the rest of my life. I knew that was something I, that I wanted to do. And I, I just have fallen in love and fallen more deeply in love with this book and it's changed my life. And I want to share that message with other people. But one of the things that Bible college cannot prepare you for, I, I don't think, is that when you get into the ministry and when you serve the Lord and you pray and you come alongside of people and you invest in their lives for eternity, that you're going to be there and you're going to be called upon to help usher people from this life into the next. And it's something that you never get used to. It's a privilege to watch a Christian, a believer. Yes, there are there is sorrow and um, there is heartache and we left here. We miss them, but it's a privilege to watch people pass into the arms of Jesus because Jesus Christ was their personal Savior. But at the same time, it breaks your heart when you realize that you are also going to have to hold the hands of people and family members as they pass into eternity and they did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You begin to understand words of the Bible when it says, I would not like you to be sorrowful as those who have no hope. And then we get to 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 14. And we read about this man, Elisha, the prophet. I can remember uh, when I was reading through uh, Bible lessons and putting Bible lessons together, I, I went and I immediately looked for Elijah. I love the miracles of Elijah. And I could relate to Elijah because Elijah had problems. He ran from Jezebel. He was hiding under the juniper tree. And he had these conversations with God and and I could relate to Elijah and how God used Elijah. You get to the life of Elisha, and you see a man who just did amazing things over and over again. He seems, he appears to be one of those few people in the Bible who seem to have it all together. Like Joseph, like Daniel. And these guys that we look at and we admire and we would like to be, but it's sometimes it's hard to relate to a person who appears to have no faults. And I'm sure that if we could look at the, the sum totality of Elisha's faults, we would see that he was a sinner just like us and he had faults just like us. But I'm so glad that God gave us a man like this and men like Elisha, Elijah, that we can look at. And we come to 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 14, and we find out that Elisha is nearing the end of his life. Just This is very similar. It reminds me of what we see in the New Testament as we read the epistles and we see Paul in his prison epistles coming to the end of his life. This morning in our responsive scripture reading, we read 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'd like us to go back there this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and as we start, I'd like us to look at a man who, in that passage of Scripture, is saying goodbye to this world. 
and hello to heaven. And I know I heard us this morning as we read responsively this passage of scripture, we struggled through all those names and places, right? You, 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 you were there with me. Uh, we all heard Bob Bowker up here and we go, man, I wish I could have those guys' names like, like him. And we struggled through them, but we get through them. I, I've told kids for years uh, in Sunday school classes, we were reading the Bible, they'd get to these names and they'd stop and they just stare at them and they, they'd like all of a sudden freeze. How do I pronounce that word? I've never seen a word that looked like that before. The important thing that I think that we get is that as Paul comes to the end of his life, he's thinking about people who meant something to him. And he's talking to Timothy about relationships that were important to him. And leaving a legacy. And as we think about the end of our lives, we need to kind of look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 and 8. It says, For I am ready, already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. I want to challenge us today. Someday, we're all going to come to the end of our lives. And we're going to be holding the hands of those we love. You may be holding my hand or some other minister's hand. And we'll be praying. And we'll be talking about heaven and we'll have some tears. And I'd love for you to have the confidence and the faithfulness of a man like Paul. Not a perfect man, but a man who loved Jesus Christ. Now we could say, I have fought the good faith, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I charge you that Elisha was faithful to the end. He died well. And we need to make sure that we are living today as if someone who is preparing to, at the end of their life, be able to, like Paul, like Elisha, say that we have lived well. I'd like to, I wrote down some things that I saw about Elisha. And the first one is, is that he surrendered to the will of God at whatever the cost. These are all things that we have looked at, we have talked about as we've looked at the life of Elisha. If we remember when Elijah came to him and commissioned him to be a prophet, that Elisha took his livelihood, he took his wealth, and he immediately sacrificed them to the Lord. And he was surrendered to the will of God, no matter what the cost. When God came and said, Elisha, I got a job for you to do, he immediately said, okay, God, I'm going to do that job for you. And immediately he followed the Lord. He followed his master in total loyalty. If we could look at the relationship between Elijah and Elisha, that of the, the person who was being discipled. God gave 
Elisha, someone to follow and to be like, and to someone to, to try and strive to be like. And he followed him loyally till the end of Elijah's life. And maybe God has given you someone in, in your life, um, maybe a friend that is a good example of what it means to walk like Jesus Christ. Are you going to follow in the steps of someone who has gone before you and lived faithfully your whole life? There, there is something that I saw as we read and we studied the life of Elisha, and as we come to his life, there is no record that Elisha ever complained against God. Now, did you notice that as we read Elisha's life, was his life problem-free? No, we read about famine and death and heartache and sorrow and loss. But we don't read that this guy ever complained against God. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever met somebody that has been through hardship after hardship after hardship, but they didn't complain to God? Somebody that, that you're going, man, I can't believe that they're going through all this stuff and they're not complaining. Those people are amazing. And we ought to strive to, to be that kind of person. I, I know that so many of us, we complain, we mumble, and we groan. But we need to work on being somebody that maybe if someone met us tomorrow and say, wow, there's a person that doesn't complain against God when things get hard. He's a man who never lapsed in immorality. As far as we know from the written text of his about his life, he was a person that we never see uh, falling into sin, into sexual sin. He, he, as far as we know, he remained pure in that area. And we read guys in the Bible like Abraham, David, who they had a stain on their record, but not Elisha. He was a man who did right, did right before God. He, throughout his life, remained a faithful man of prayer. I, I love it when I can sit down with a fan. I, I said it was a privilege to watch people pass into heaven. I love to sit down and hear a family member say, I know that mom or dad, brother or sister, prayed to God and were a faithful prayer warrior their whole life. There's no greater legacy you can leave your family but to be a faithful prayer warrior for your family. Even when they can plug their ears and not listen to the message that you would pass on to them. If you're praying for them, they will know it. And pray, pray, pray. Be faithful in that. Pray for your kids, your grandkids. When hard times come, be a faithful prayer warrior. He was a man who was sensitive to the prompting of the Spirit of God. 
If he felt that God wanted him to do something, he did it. Without question, without hesitation. If he was praying about it and he did it and he felt God wanted him to do it, he did it. Sometimes some strange things that Elisha did. But when God told him to die, I mean, I can only imagine what it must have been like to have the courage to say to a man like Naaman, go get down and wash yourself, dunk in the Jordan River seven times. But that's what God asked Elisha to say. And Elisha was faithful in doing that. When the Spirit moved him to do something, he had to follow. As we continue to look at this, this man and the end of his life, I'd like us to consider another thing. Whenever you meet a Christian, you're meeting a man or woman who is on their way to heaven. Isn't that awesome? I've talked to some Christians today, and I've spent some time with them. I've shook some of their hands, and I've met somebody who's going to the same place that I'm going. I've talked to some people in, in two weeks. Me and my family are on our way to the ark. We were sitting down, and we were... Um, talking about that as we were driving around with my wife and my daughters. And we're talking about how I usually get up really early in the morning. And we're talking about how I'm going to get up and I'm going to wake everybody up and they can just hop in the car and I'll, I'll drive for a couple hours and they'll try to sleep. And we're trying to figure out who would sleep in the car and who'd be awake with dad. And we're excited. We're talking about that. As Christians, we're all going to heaven. Uh, let me tell you, I wish that I could take the whole church and we could all just go through. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could all just go to the ark together? Anybody want to, you know, go with us and meet us down there? And we'll just take, wouldn't it be great if we could take a crowd like this? We're all on our way to heaven, right? And when we meet somebody and when we're talking to a Christian, you're talking to somebody who's on a journey to heaven. And we're all going there. Just think about the awesome things that we can do in heaven, that we can do together. I'm excited about that, and I hope you are too. Let, let's turn in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, Verses 20 and 21, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. I hope that I hope that you uh, love that verse. We might be a citizen in the United States here here on earth, but our primary citizenship, if we know Jesus Christ, is we are citizens of heaven. Read verse twenty, Christian. If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, it says, "For our citizenship." Is in heaven. Underline that word is. 
It's not will be, it's not might be, it's is, it's guaranteed. We are all citizens of heaven and we don't have to fear death. We know that we are fear, we are free from the fear of death and, and our eternity is with Jesus Christ. At, we learn something every day. You read the Bible, you, you might have read through the Bible a number of times. I hope that maybe once in your life, you have taken the challenge and you said, I'd like to read through the Bible in a year. Maybe you can't do that. I know some people that are like, I just can't do that. I read a couple chapters and I get stuck and I read that chapter. And I read my Bible every day, but I can't get through the Bible in a year. I hope you've read through the Bible and that you read the Bible every day. I find that when you read the Bible every day, you learn something about the Bible all the time. You read it and you go, oh man, I never knew that before and I never seen that before. I learned, as I was preparing this, I'm sure I've read the story of Balaam and the talking donkey. Um, I know Katrina loves the story of Balaam and that donkey that talked. But um, as you read that story, I've read it and I've read it. And I could tell you some of the prophecies about Jesus Christ that I've seen in there. But verse 10 has never caught my eye. In Numbers chapter 23. And verse 10, did I tell you that reference or should I give you a minute to look there? Numbers chapter 23 and verse 10. In the prophecies of Balaam. Remember Balaam's the guy that was told to curse Israel. He opened his mouth and out came blessings. He's the guy that the donkey talked to him. And interesting fellow. Crazy story. you got to read it about four times before you begin to get the gist of what's going on. But in Numbers chapter 23 and verse 10, here's this guy Balaam opening his mouth and talking. And here's what he has to say. It says, who can count the dust of Jacob or number one fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his I read that as I was studying and as preparing and I thought wow that's kind of neat and if we were to take a look at the people that are in and around us that we see whether it be here in church or in this life or on television when it comes to the end of your life who do you want to be like I know many people they want to be like a famous rock star or a movie star or an athlete or a politician or some famous person that they admire. But how often do those people that, that when we're young and we maybe aspire to want to be like them, and we look at the end of their life and the road at which they have taken and where it has led them, would you want the end that they attribute that they come to dying without surety of a relationship with Jesus Christ in a home in heaven life that is often cut too short by being a friend of the world or would you rather <coughs> die a death in which you know that God who is truly sovereign And has taken care of you. Is in control of the day of your death. 
where you will spend all of eternity and what the end of your life will look like. A truth about the Word of God. You, Christian, as you are sitting here today, you are immortal until God's work is done with you in this world. If you're here and you're sitting here this morning and and you're living for the Lord, until God's finished with you, God's going to take care of you the best He sees fit. He's in charge. And we need to be able to trust in that. Sometimes God takes someone which seems in a way that seems way too early. It breaks our heart. I always used to listen to Charlie Kark at camp. And when I first started with him at camp, I'd listen to him. He'd say this every couple of weeks at camp. He said, I've been working here at this camp for, it started out 30 years and it was 40 years. And now if he were here, he'd say 50 years. And he'd say, I can count on both hands the number of kids who've sat in a chapel and within a year of being there were in eternity. And he would say that and I'd hear him. And it's one of those things like you hear a guy say it over and over and over again and it kind of becomes dull to your hearing. It wasn't until I at camp watched a kid sit sit in the chapel for a couple of years and got a phone call and heard that he had passed away. A kid that had come to camp and to all of our retreats and stuff. And you just go, oh, I know why that hit Charlie so much. Somebody that you shared Jesus Christ with is now in eternity and the severity of making a decision for the Lord when you're young is so, so important. And our days are numbered by God. Up there on the board, I have Job chapter 14 and verse 5. In Job 14, it says, His days are determined. The number of his months is with you. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. They say that as someone sits up and is in front of you and they're giving you all sorts of information, that 53% of all statistics are made up. I wonder if you'll get the gravity of this statement that I just said. Maybe it'll sink in in a minute. But I guarantee you that this one that I'm about to give you is is pretty accurate. Statistically, 100% of all people are going to die. Right? And we can count on that. And I know some of you go, some of you go, okay, okay, but uh, I believe in the rapture and I hope you do too, Pastor. Yes, I do. And I understand that truth. And I just want you to know that you cannot choose when or how 
you are going to die. But you can choose when you die whose side you are going to be on. If you are on the side of Jesus Christ or you are at enmity with him because you have you have lived a sinful life and you have chosen to be separated from God for all of eternity. Heaven could be now. Are you ready? Heaven could be a split second away for me, for you. Someone could not make it out the door today. Are you ready for that? We talked about how the man who preceded Elisha was Elijah. Interesting fact, thing to think about. Because we look at that and Elijah is one of these people in the Bible who appears not to have tasted death. God sent his limousine, this fair, this fiery chariot, to pick up a, a Elijah and transported him to heaven. Enoch and Elijah appear to have escaped death. But the truth of the matter is, is that they are in eternity. They are in heaven now. And the Bible tells us that it is appointed in a man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Heaven could be here real quick and in one of two ways. The first one is, and I started with the rapture, because we believe in the rapture. Let's talk about Elijah, who we believe is a picture of a rapture. And the rapture, the word means snatched away quickly. I've tried explaining what the rapture is to children and to young people. And I said, have you ever gone to a bowling alley? And they've got that thing that my dad would never let me put a quarter in. Uh, was one of those claw games, and um, he said, those are a waste. They're just taking your money, and I, I agree because I tell my kids the exact same thing now, but sometimes those girls convince me to put a quarter in there, but anyways, that claw game goes around. It goes down and you know picks up that toy and hopefully gets it, and I said, you know, picture God's hand just one day. But that claw game is not as slow as that one at the bowling alley, is it? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God is going to take everyone who believes and trusts in him as their personal savior, those who are in the church, to heaven. And it could be today. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 17. First Thessalonians chapter four and verse seventeen. I talked about a verse a little bit earlier. That's also in this passage of scripture. First Thessalonians chapter four and verse thirteen says, "But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep." lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. But in verse 17, it talks about how we as Christians, we have hope. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Heaven could be a second away. The rapture could be here at any moment. Are you ready? Elisha experienced death. 
Elijah was raptured. And remember what I said just a moment ago. Elisha had this, I've got the list. I put the list on the board. This amazing, like it almost appears like super powered Christian life. One that we look at and we go, I could never make that list. Man, if I could get two things on that list, I'd be doing good. But Elisha was an amazing person. He died. The end of his life came. And Elijah had faults. And he's a picture of being raptured. Let me tell you, Christian, we look forward to, I, I always love the way Pastor Baker's put it. I'm looking forward to the upper taker, not the undertaker, right? That's what he said. Christian, if you live a good life, you might end up like Elisha. And you may pass away. You're in heaven with Jesus Christ. Christian, you may be like Elijah. Like Elijah, right? Uh, if I had to put myself, uh, I've put myself under the juniper tree so many times, like many of you have. Elijah was raptured. Whether we die and we go to heaven via that means, or we are raptured, we're in heaven with Jesus Christ because we knew him as our, person, as our personal Savior. And it's we're there because of his finished work on the cross. Another good thing. I, I'm, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, it was getting close. And I still do this. Getting close to vacation. And the best part about vacation for me is like that moment you get up and you head out on vacation. When you're actually on the vacation, you know. You, but I love the idea of just getting to go on vacation. And I think about heaven. Heaven's coming soon. And every day we live. Brings us one day nearer to heaven. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I'm closer to heaven than I was yesterday. Hopefully I'm more ready than I was yesterday. How many of you guys, it's come time for vacation, and you had like 20 things you wanted to do, but they weren't done yet. But it was time to go on vacation. You got to be ready to go on vacation. You got to be ready to go on a trip. And we need to make sure that we're ready for heaven. As we think about this, I ask you that question. Are you ready? If heaven were today by the end of today, are you prepared? Elisha's coming to the end of his life. Man, that guy, that guy was ready. I, I would have loved to have done his funeral. It would have been a piece of cake. Let's take a look at that list of Elisha's life. Let's purpose in our heart. Heaven's one day closer. Are we ready? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. For your finished work of the cross. That makes it so we don't have to fear death. That we can be ready for heaven. Lord, I thank you for men like Elijah and Elisha. Who teach us a lot about the end of life. 
or whether by rapture or by passing away. Help us to be ready for heaven. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you that we're one day closer to heaven. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to have our lives prepared, to live a life acceptable of someone who's on their way to heaven, a citizen of heaven. And Lord, I just pray that you might help us to live like we're walking on our way to heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.